0: Hello everybody and welcome to this edition of Happier Me Live. And today we're gonna be talking about burnout and how it affects us, how we can avoid it, diagnose it early and manage it uh, when uh, we experience that. Uh, My guest today is John D. Whitus, who's an uh, ETF trainer and life coach and human wisdom coach based in Atlanta and Georgia. And I'm also joined by guests from around the world so welcome everybody uh, so John D., let's get started and what's going to happen is that John D. and I will speak for about half an hour and while we're talking if you have any comments please pop them in the chat and at the end of the conversation we'll open it up for everyone's comments and we look forward to that too so John D., why should we bother with exploring burnout
1: I think it's universal I think it's so human and I think that as, as humane people, which everyone here I know is, or they wouldn't be here, I think it is uh, incumbent upon us to, to speak to it, to yes. offer each other connection and solutions and um, company.
0: I think it's one of modern day's silent epidemics. Yes. Modern workplace. And there are three surveys I came across. Mental health America said affects 75% of people. Uh, Deloitte said 77%. And Asana had 10,000 people in their survey, and they came up with 70%. So it's around that number, depending on which survey you pick up. So seven out of 10 people are likely to be affected. And yet, most of those people are probably not aware that that's what's happening to them. So uh, what are the symptoms of burnout? We know it causes mental and Emotional and physical exhaustion. But beyond that, John Dee, what do you think? Um, what are the symptoms of burnout?
1: Well, I think one of the things that is undersung is that we make poor decisions. Mm. We are tapped, our resources are, are uh, less, we are stretched. And so, when we do not have good access to our fine array of knowledge, resources, and wisdom, when we um, are stretched for time, for ourselves, for thoughtfulness, for a moment to ourselves, for recovery, we tend to make really bad decisions. Yes, yes. Which compound all the other things.
0: So, we feel we're unable to cope. Yes. And the first thing might be that you stop enjoying what you're doing. Yeah. Absolutely. You might have aspired to be, this week I, for example, I was talking to an eye surgeon. She said, I spent 20 years training to be where I am. And why am I not enjoying what I'm doing? And, yes. uh, and so on. So we, a lot of people feel their sleep is affected. Uh, they feel sad, irritable, angry um low morale much more reactive uh and they feel like a victim don't they shall we speak to that john b you feel everyone is responsible for how you're feeling
1: well i do i do think it's very easy for us to feel like a victim when we feel weak right when we feel uh depleted I think it's very easy and I think um, I'm speaking for the states because I can't speak for anybody else but I would say it's often uh, an an easy refuge to go well I'm a victim of something
2: Mm.
1: and that doesn't mean we aren't by the way it Mm. just means I'm talking that we have a mindset of blame Mm. and maybe that is actually a much more universal thing to say who who is to blame for this Yes. And we choose the low-hanging fruit, the easy things. That doesn't mean I have anything that I am saying right now about true victimhood. I mean, the world is quite full right now, and as is our history. But what I'm alluding to is the universal sense that there's, um, if I am highly reactive, I am not really thinking, and I am not doing anything like, hmm, what might this be all about? I'm going... Somebody's to blame for this. They are doing this to me. Yes. Right.
0: Robin raised the point, is burnout always about work? And I think probably true, Robin, but imagine if you're a housewife or a homemaker and you're toiling from morning to night doing the same thing with people who are not grateful for what you're doing, you know, you're offering. That might also lead to a feeling of burnout. But it's just chronic stress, I think one way or the other. Um could be relationship it, it conflict, be John be Sorry, go on. Go on.
1: It, it might be pressure or tension. You know, people have different ideas about what words mean. So I might say it, it's, it's mass this or that or chronic stress, but it might also be just unrelenting pressure hmm. or tension or expectations because that is a finer description of what's going on for that person, perhaps. So
0: yes. And I think also there's relationship conflict. One of the symptoms is you start having more conflict in your relationships. So no, it's funny that you don't ascribe any of these individual symptoms to the fact of burnout, but it, you just need to step away and look at the collection of things you're feeling and realize, oh my God, that's pointing to burnout. And often, as you say, we, we come to that late.
1: And to Robin's point, You know, sometimes work collides with life so that chronic caregiving is not work in the workplace, it becomes your entire life. Hmm. So caregivers of all varieties, whether professional or situational, are often in the burnout capacity, I said, um, because you know, I am I am living that life right now, and I'm very grateful for the many things I have. Please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, oh, poor me, blah blah, such a martyr. I'm not at all. I'm saying, humanely, no one is at their best 24/7 under constant pressure, mm. especially that that has been imposed versus chosen.
0: Yes. Imposed versus chosen. So taking care, if you're a caregiver, taking care of anyone, parents, mm-hmm. disabled, children, yeah. um, and so on. Okay. What about the common causes of burnout, I mean, it's chronic stress of one kind or the other, but we just wanted to explore what are the common causes of burnout? Yeah.
1: Um,
0: I suppose one of them is uh, employers want um, more and more from fewer and fewer people, because they're sure. you know they're under pressure to drive up profits and sometimes just keep businesses afloat. So they want so that that pressure comes on employees right more and more.
1: Indeed, indeed, and you know that's I think that's trickle down of let's call it unchecked world global capitalism is about short term profit at any cost, and so that's what happens. I'm not here to talk about that. I'm talking about the outcome of that. Yes. Right.
0: And of course, um, there's a culture in some countries, like Japan, I know, or the United States, where there's a culture of not taking even your allocated leave. You know, even though if it's two weeks a year, you're worried that if you take that leave and the employers don't miss you too much, then when you come back, they'll say, well, we don't need you anymore. Thank you. Bye-bye. Less so in well, Europe. We also
1: really. have that in this country. You know, we have a pilgrim work mentality, which is uh, like that somehow. Mm. And also we we now have very large world corporations, I won't name them, who who tout their leave, their their adequate and flexible leave. But the corporate culture within that veneer is, we'll notice if you take it though.
0: Right, mm. right, right. And uh, and that creates pressure. And even if it's not direct pressure, there's an indirect because you're competing with your colleagues to climb that ladder. And so yeah. if they're not taking leave, then you better not take leave. And you know, it creates that sort of vicious cycle uh, of yeah. you're trying to impress people higher up the food chain. Okay. Past trauma, John Lee, plays a role. It's a very subtle thing that if i have had past trauma and you know we did a talk recently where we said 70% of people have had some trauma in the past and that raises the entire temperature of your nervous system so it's just that much more reactive isn't it to even Correct. smaller small triggers and then you can quickly feel chronically stressed and burnt out
1: absolutely i mean i often try to put a uh, a very solid face on it that everyone can uh see visualize and that is like we all have a bucket and that bucket collects things and we carry it along Mm -hmm. so our events the things that happen to us the things that were unresolved the hurts the wounds the this the that as well as the accomplishments and whatever but let's face it they're not very heavy are they so you're carrying along all this stuff and After a while, usually about 40 for some reason, people start slushing all over the place and the bucket is too heavy to carry.
0: Mm. Mm.
1: And that is because we do not have, I think, uh, a good understanding globally of how to empty the bucket. Yes. And keep it emptying, right? And so trauma is very, very dense and heavy, like little quarks and quasars in there, you know, that, that are just dense material. And so that is so heavy. And our neurology design is designed to, to look for patterns. Mm. And so I start seeing a pattern and suddenly this is like that. And my threat response is full on. Yes. Now I didn't go through a thinking process. I went right into the reactive. This is like that. And if that is chronically alerted, our neurology physiology our sense of emotional wellness will burn out in very quickly yes and yes we'll be sloshing everywhere if we actually can move forward
0: yes and i think the other reason is that there's no rest for the brain or the mind anymore i mean i can imagine the pre-digital era where or even like 100 years ago where there wasn't any electricity so when it got dark it got dark and you just you know but now, of yeah. course, you come back from work and then you know, the digital life continues, whether it's for entertainment or work, doesn't matter. But your brain is constantly working. being constantly stimulated. Assault. It's like yes. an engine that has no rest. Um, so that's maybe one of the reasons for burnout as well.
1: Well, I, I definitely think so, because we have never in our history been... Um, We've never had access to more information and more quickly than we do now, hmm. right? Yes. And it becomes easily a bit of an assault. Even if I decide to put down my phone, if I decide to uh, read a book quietly somewhere else, if I decide to take a walk, etc. you know, everything that comes into our path in this country, I have to be egocentric here, I mean, it's like I'm filling up my car with gas and I notice that the handle of the fuel also has advertising. I mean, everything is a a visual assault of incoming information. And I use that word very emotionally because I believe that is my reaction to it, I must say. But I do believe it's very hard for us to shut off. I mean, my great-grandparents that I grew up with, A, you didn't have access to a lot of books. B, you had a single light bulb that you were afraid to use very often because it cost money and money was dear, you know? So you were knocked out from being a, a poor farmer anyway, but you had this quietude and this rest, this, this lack of incoming information that was like we have today. And there was relief from something we we don't really have no we don't
0: but partly it's our own mind is responsible because we are constantly wanting to be occupied. Yes, we are restless we're unable to be content sitting in a chair for 10 minutes alone we've lost that ability. Mm -hmm. And so, even if you're not working you're at home, your mind's constantly buzzing looking to be stimulated occupied. even when you go on holiday, you don't just sit back, you're just constantly doing something, you know? So it's just this lack of doing nothing, I think, as you said, um, that's the challenge. The other factor I think that plays a role is our own ambition, right? Suppose you're self-employed, uh, you know, you work all the hours that are available because there's no boundaries anymore. And you just you just don't know when the next client or the next business or whatever's where it's coming from, it's not, you're not in an employed situation. And so those people tend to overwork um, much more perhaps than people who are employed sometimes.
1: Well, I, I absolutely believe that and I can speak to it because I've worked for myself primarily for myself since I was 15, which means that <clears throat> decades later, I'm still working for myself. Um, so I'm very much in touch with that. We would call it a gig economy, right? Yes. And, um, My husband and my child, they're also part of that gig economy. I've grown up around people in that. So that is a peculiar and unrelenting kind of stress because of the uncertainty.
0: Yes, that's interesting. So the uncertainty creates an unrelenting stress as does the feeling of not having enough. This constant feeling of lacking enough money now or a worry about not having enough money in the future and again, it's this constant stress that can sort of burn us out. Okay. Um, our conditioning plays a role, doesn't it, John Lee? Because um, just a little. <laughs> I just want to please my parents, for example, You know, who um, want me to be successful. They bred me as a racehorse. Come on, you've got to be successful in the world. And so I end up working 16, 18 hours a day. I talked to so many young people. I said, "What do you want from your life?" And they say, "I want to make my parents proud." Mm-hmm. On the one hand, it it's a you know it sounds like a good thing, but you carry that with you for all your working life, you know, just to make somebody else proud and well, so on. I,
1: I'm going to say you you're, you're describing living for someone else. Yes, you're describing putting your life into someone else's uh, control. Yes. Um, You know, we don't see it that way because we are conditioned, as you say, such a beautiful word, we are conditioned to please our caregivers who are, we are responsible and they are responsible for some kind of cohesiveness that's enough that you will shelter me, feed me, protect me. Yes. And we go from there.
0: And I think one more thing that's going on in the background we're not aware of is our need for external approval or validation. And parents is one source, but say you're in a profession of some kind. I mean, I know people who spend, you know, hours working through till midnight and beyond writing research papers, for example, just to get ahead because they want other, their peers to re- respect them and and so on. So it becomes this uh, vicious cycle. So many physicians burn out. I think the physician burnout rate is higher, 79% in America. Because not only are you looking after patients and so on, but you're also trying to get ahead in your career, and, yes. and, you know all of that. So seeking external validation is a big point. And often, of course, we're not aware of all this till it's too late, and then we're completely depleted. And uh, and I mean, employers actually also I don't think are aware of the impact this silent epidemic is having on their workforce on the productivity of their workforce, on the decisions they're making and so on.
1: It's rather inconvenient to know that, isn't it? Yeah. And it it becomes a choice of, well, now I can't unknow that. And now it's incumbent upon me to do something about that. And now I don't know what to do about that. And I'd rather shut down. I'd rather shut that off. Let them sort it out. Everybody's different, you know.
0: But smart employers will realize that replacing an, a senior person or someone who really I mean, knows the job is going to be yeah. really hard. And quietly, they're burning out. They're not making the right decisions for the organization. So if you're a smart employer, you'll recognize burnout as an important factor and put in place measures uh, to, to make sure your employees don't burn out, right? Right.
1: I I think you're absolutely right. I I also think that, you know, COVID was a game changer for many employees everywhere uh, for a variety of reasons. And the one I'm gonna talk about is that they were completely unprepared for quiet quit. They were completely unprepared for workers going, I'm not coming back to the office. Mm It it was a real turning point for many corporations. Uh, I, th- I think it surprised them a great deal.
0: Yes, you, things move in flux. Um, but certainly, I think it goes back to the same point that if I'm a smart employer, I need to realize that flogging my employees beyond a point is not serving me. And so it's not just out of compassion for them. It's also out of self-interest that I need to Take much and, better care And there's nothing wrong
1: with that, I think. the The idea of self-interest being acted upon for your workers' interest creates the win-win yes. situation. That, of course, is always in my little Pollyanna heart, because I do know it's possible, and I do know that our symbiotic well-being is well within everyone's grasp.
0: Absolutely. Okay. All right. So my next question that I would like to explore is how can we avoid it? So we know that burnout's common. Seven out of 10 people get burned out. So I'm likely to be part of that statistic. And if I'm smart and I want to put something in place, what can we do? Pay attention. What can we do to avoid it? That's the main thing.
1: I, I, I understand. And I'm saying, pay attention. Pay attention to how you're feeling, what you're thinking, what it is that is driving you, what it is that is restoring you, pay Mm. attention. And to do that, you know, Manoj, you and I have had a long love affair with the word sitting with, Mm. the phrase actually, sitting with. It's taking a moment to assess, to take stock. How am I feeling? What is happening? What do I need? What is driving me? And does that bring me what I want, whether it's money or peace or whatever, it's good to take the sitting with stock of things. So paying attention is my first answer.
0: Okay, so you've said two or three really useful things there. I'm just gonna unpick them. The first is to know what's happening in your own mind, Mm which is paying attention. Often you're not aware of all these symptoms of burnout, meaning you're burning out, you know what I mean? is chronic stress. So People are not aware of their own level of stress. That's the first thing. Wake up, pay attention. Train your mind to not react with stress when it's challenged.
1: So we have to develop a muscle for that. And the muscle is to be aware of this happens. I don't want that. I want something else or I want to be inoculated against stress however you are going to describe it. But that means you're going to have to develop the muscle for noticing and then putting into place some kind of opposing force or choice.
0: Yes, yes. And so, of course,
1: I come from the energy background, which uh, I believe is very quick. And it does not depend on cogitating the answer. It's more of a physiological response that anyone can do that delivers very quick reset of our nervous system. So I do believe that creating a muscle for that means I have learned how to quickly notice and quickly respond to reset myself to a better
0: place. Yes. So what the mind doesn't realize is that there's always a trigger out there and a reaction Mm -hmm. in our own mind. And it's the reaction that causes the stress. But our mind assumes it's the trigger that's causing the stress. Once you wake up and realize that difference and you realize, ah, it's my reaction. And if I can change my reaction by going on this journey of learning about myself and how my mind works, then I can, the situation doesn't change, the trigger doesn't change, but I change. And I develop a toolkit or a resource, as you say, or a muscle to deal with challenges in a much better way. And of course, self awareness makes you much less reactive, makes mm-hmm. you help have better choices and calms your nervous system. Let's talk about calming our nervous system, John Dee, and maybe you can introduce uh, a couple of your beautiful exercises for that.
1: Well, you know, all of the things that I introduced are, are lovingly learned, they're not mine, but I claim them as very human and humane responses for self-care, right? And so let's cobble together what we've been doing is developing an awareness, sitting with to find, my neurology said, this is like that trigger, right? Recognizing a pattern but we're gonna develop a muscle for that because I can't change the work or I can't change the person, I can't change the job perhaps right now, but it can change is me. And that is always true, no matter what's going on. The only thing I'm really in charge of in this world is myself. And if I allow myself to give that away, I'm in charge of nothing. That's right? true. So back to self acknowledging this, I would say some of the favorites that I've come across lately are um, from the Havening family. Often I just do this as I take a moment to sit with. It is the equivalent of feeling like maybe there's a precious pearl in my palms and I am just feeling with my entire hands this. So this very slow hand stroking, our hands are a complete hologram of the entire human body. And so we are conditioning our whole body into a slower, more thoughtful place. Right? And so something that simple with your assigned two minutes, by the way, if you've ever been in the film and television business, two minutes is a very long time. Mm. You might want to set your phone or your timer to two minutes so you can actually learn what is two minutes really feel like. Mm. And train a muscle for, let me see if I can have two minutes of patience for solid self-care. Mm. Doesn't have to be more complicated than that. Yes, yes. But in that time, we're developing that muscle of noticing and taking conscious, better action.
0: And on the app, which I'll show you in a second, we have all sorts of breathing exercises and journaling and all of those things, meditations, which are useful just to overall calm your nervous system down and, uh, okay. But also I think it's important to redefine success. And it's how we feel on the inside, not what others think of us. Because unconsciously you can get caught in a loop where you're running faster and faster just to get that approval from the outside, whether it's from your parents or peers or you know various other people, uh, and in the end, the only thing that matters is love, not what others think about you. You know, um, okay. Of course, learning to say no and having a better work-life balance is important. Managing your ambition um, and giving your brain a rest, spending time being quiet, or all of that, getting enough sleep. Um, We talked about doing varied things with our life, not just with our brain, right? With our hands and so on. You want to speak on that a little bit, Chandi?
1: Absolutely, you know what that reminds me of? um, Well, one thing I wanted to add, and then I'll speak to that. One thing I wanted to add was taking responsibility. Taking responsibility for one's self has to be on that list.
0: Yes, yes.
1: It's up to no one else but me, unfortunately or fortunately, it's however you see that, right? So putting that on the list, the next thing I want to say is um, I'm a big fan of the early trainings called Waldorf, where they understood that learning to work with one's hands, learning to be in nature, learning this kind of, let's call it ancient awareness of one's capabilities in the natural world is a very very useful lesson to bring back to people yeah. okay and so that is why I think people are so satisfied by knitting by hiking by whatever but these very simple things no matter where you are I think we can find a version of that
0: yes doesn't matter what it is it could be cooking yeah. um, uh, Not at all. you know but just give your brain a rest and give different parts of your body uh, something to do whether it's exercise or um, and you know, limit your screen time, listen to music and so on. Mm-hmm. But before we move on to dealing with burnout, I, I want to go back to what you said about taking ownership, because yes. it's the hardest thing to do. Our mind is wired to think my employer's to blame, my husband or wife's to blame, somebody is to blame. Mm-hmm. We're not saying they may not be responsible, but blaming somebody means that you lose all agency to do something about it.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, we would call that a cheap shot. It's a cheap shot to blame everything on somebody else. Yes, yes. Right? It's um, a very low kind of use of of our mind.
0: It's the same thing between the trigger and the reaction. Uh, It's natural for us to blame the trigger, whether it's work or whatever, but Mm -hmm. the reaction is what's creating the chronic stress. And so maybe we can do something about it. And Robin's saying blaming is a way of abdicating responsibility uh, for oh,
1: Beautifully said, Robin. Beautifully said, yeah.
0: Okay. My last question before we move on, John D, uh, and open the floor to discussion is, how do I deal with burnout? I mean, I suppose the first thing is to recognize it early. Right?
1: Absolutely. Recognize it, develop some kind of self-inoculation, which is just another word for self-care, isn't it?
0: Self-awareness, and- you know, and- all that.
1: And then sit with and find out what is it about this that is not satisfying, that is maybe truly threatening, that is not in alignment with feeling comfortable in my skin, that is not working out so
0: well for me.
1: And you see, these are all very self-serving questions if we wanna call it that, we could also call it self-care.
0: Or what can I change?
1: Absolutely. First to
0: recognize I'm is I'm there's burnout happening. What can I change in my life to change what how I'm feeling? Whether I and, accept things as they are, or I change the way I'm reacting, or I change jobs, or whatever it might be, I need to change before to my Robin's nervous system completely depletes. Right. Yes, okay.
1: to Robin's point too, giving it away. Yes. Have I given away my agency, Yes. my power, my choice?
0: And let's say go deeper and understand the root cause of stress, how your mind is reacting. Uh, is your nervous system hyperactive from other causes, for example? Do you need to deal with past trauma and put that to bed? Uh, and we have a se- special event on that. You can look at that uh, through the app if you want. Um, and remember that this has happened to you. Traumas happen to you. You can do something about it. What about renewing yourself? So suppose I do feel burnt out. Uh, I'm in that situation. What can I do to renew myself and regenerate, rejuvenate?
1: And and I think another good word that goes in that collection is refuel hmm. and reset. You know, all these re-words, right? But it is indicative of a cycle. How am I? I refuel myself, how might I take the time to put myself back into resourcefulness? Um, So one of those uh, things that I would easily ask people is what do you know brings you joy?
0: Mm.
1: What do you know feels soothing and calming? Mm. These are the messages of your body saying, this is what I want, this is what I need, this is what I'm starved for.
0: And look around you and think of all the things you've neglected, maybe your relationships, because they are the foundation of our long-term happiness. Mm -hmm. Could we invest more in our relationships? Could we spend more time in nature and less time on some digital platform, (laughs) whether it's work or entertainment? Uh, and am I spending any time being quiet? Mm. See?
1: Absolutely. And I, I want to add to your relationship comment. I want to look at my relationships and say, which of those fuel me? Mm. Which of those help me be mm. my best me? Because we are often populated with relationships for different reasons that do not serve us very well yes deplete us yes and even threaten us yes
0: and of course we need to also realize the same pattern operates there too where i blame the other person for Mm -hmm. how i'm feeling and again the same thing taking that's the hard thing in a relationship that's not working to take ownership and say hey how can i do what can i change how can i be more loving Uh, more kind, more thoughtful, more flexible, more adaptable, whatever it might be.
1: And and also more mindful. It is not my job to change you. It is not my job to fix you. It's not my job to change you. And this is really hard information, I think, for everyone. (laughs) Yes.
0: And just also sometimes a simple act of acceptance can dissolve stress. Because stress in the end is just the difference between how things are and how I want them to be. Indeed. And if I can accept things as they are, if I can accept you as you are, or the job as it is, or the fact that I'm earning you know, the minimum wage rather than a millionaire, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and I can be grateful for what I have and who I am, as I am, accept myself. Because a lot of stress comes from these simple things. People don't accept themselves as they are or accept others as they are, or accept That's that it. life is uncertain, you know, um, and so on. Well,
1: even in my tapping life, the, the, the chief affirmation statement that I would use is simple acknowledgement. And um, that is the way it is right now. Yes. I accept that that is perhaps true. This is the way it is right now. That kind of acceptance doesn't mean I agree with it, doesn't mean you're getting away with it, doesn't mean there's not more to do. Hmm.
0: Okay. So um, I'm gonna pause there, John Lee, and just open and share um, yeah. the a couple of minutes and show people around the Happier Me app, which is new. Absolutely, and, which is uh,
1: growing and growing very beautifully, I just want to say to
0: yeah, you. Yeah, we're so pleased with um, the response to this new design. So mm-hmm. this is it. It's You can access it at happierme.app or on your phone. Mm-hmm. And to speak to the issues that you and I have been talking about today, on the main page, there's a section called mental health. You can change it, of course. There are eight topics, including leadership and work and so on. But if you open the mental health section, you'll find you can feel better now. So the points you mentioned, Um, for example, with stress, there will be a breathing exercise and a meditation. Uh, And then you can go deeper to explore, for example, the module on stress, and it explores the subject in depth. And for example, at the end says, hey, you can meet wisdom, you can meet stress with wisdom in 14 ways, and many of them we've highlighted here. So there's much more uh, to explore in the app, but um, I'll leave everyone to to do that. Um, and uh, now open the door to a conversation with everyone. So Robin, do you want to get the ball rolling?
3: Um, I would just first like to thank John D., um for just her, her usual wisdom. It's always a pleasure. That's why when I saw her name, I'm like, yeah, I'll be there. Oh, thank <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, no worries. And, and thanks, Manuj, for continuing to do these. I mean, just bringing out this information, um, just reconfirming for people like me why this is important. Yes. Um, The reason I asked about stress initially, and I think of it related to work, because as John said, it can be related to other things. And I am one of these people in the caretaking mode right now. Mm -hmm. And so I've always been feeling, and and right now I'm in and out of the screen today because we've got contractors here doing plumbing issues. So in the last six months, first one thing, then another. So the stress sometimes, it's not just job related, it's everything. Mm -hmm. And it's how we see and process everything. Um, For me, to me, I use the stress to help me identify where I'm triggered, and I use the triggers to help me identify my limiting beliefs around something, which then can give me some measure of relief around whatever I'm experiencing. And so that's so these kind of conversations, to me, are just really essential for us to, to keep sharing what we're all learning to help one another.
0: Robin, you've said something profound and beautiful, which is, when I feel stressed and I'm triggered, I can either get really upset or I can regard that as an opportunity for learning about, hey, what's going on in my own mind that's making me feel this way? What am I not accepting? For example, that's one cause of stress. Or... I'm looking for external validation or what conditioning is it revealing in myself? Or have I got a history of past trauma? Am I, is my nervous system hyperreactive? You know, there are n number of reasons in our own mind that can be responsible. Maybe that's the wrong word, but can trigger our own stress. So stress can yeah. become an opportunity for learning. And that's really- so,
3: so for me, it really has been, especially since I'm back caretaking living with my mom and now my sister's moving back and all those original family values those original family patterns a lot of that created just enormous stress for me because I didn't live with any family for 30 years I'm like oh no you're still treating me like I'm five seven nine and ten no we're not doing it like that and so some of the stress and created an opportunity for all of us to grow into who we all need to be in relationship to who we are now not who we were and so i I just find that um but that that can come with a level of burnout that can come with a level of exaggerated expectations because you're trying to do what you used to do but you can no longer do that because it no longer works for you or them and so what i'm finding is what doesn't work for me also doesn't work for others So we have to find a new way that is mutually beneficial to us all. And if it's not mutually beneficial, then it doesn't work. If it works for you and it doesn't work for me, it doesn't work. So we have to keep working at it until we come to a place where it's beginning to work for each other. And we're now accepting that as our way of engaging one another in the original family dynamic.
0: Yes, okay.
3: Not without a lot of conflict, I might add.
0: Yes, of course. And Indeed. Suzanne, I know that you work in education, and we did this poll on LinkedIn about burnout, and it was among the teachers that really they felt burnout was very common. So it's one of the professions. I think teaching, healthcare, you know, um, very high burnout levels. What can you share about teaching and burnout?
4: I think one one of the things that, that's come up for me listening to Robin actually is that is, is vulnerability and in order to, to get the help that we need, we've, we've got to be vulnerable and actually say, you know, this this is where I am, this is what my needs are, and we're not very good at that, and we're especially not good at that, saying that within the education system, because the minute you show that you're vulnerable, you're on, on the road to, you know, capability and being pushed out of the system because you're seen as weak. So actually being able to name our vulnerabilities can be, can be quite difficult. Um, May not
0: just be in teaching could be in all professions.
4: uh, Well, yeah. I mean, again, this, this came up for me because I'm listening to Robin talking about the family dynamics. Mm -hmm. And recently I've been in a, in a situation where I've I live with my grown up children and it's, it causes some interesting dynamics. They're ready to flee to leave the nest, really, but they're, they're still here. And I've had to recently say, look, I, I've had enough. I, I can't continue running the household, being the mum, you know, as I have been doing. And so we've had to renegotiate the dynamics of the family by mutually, by by us all reinst- restating our needs at, at this moment in time, you know, grown ups, um, grown up children. The dynamics have changed and we've all had to be able to come together and be vulnerable and, and show that and and that can be really difficult yes, but working through that in connection in connection with each other and mutually, I think that those for me are the are the are the key things being connected with other people and having a mutual um understanding it gives you that mutual understanding of what's going on for everybody so that you can collectively, work together so that the the interconnectedness and collectiveness um can can really help
0: yes thank you for that Suzanne so I think you raised another really important point maybe John you could explore that a bit more that if I'm at work and I'm feeling burnt out chronically stressed really unhappy not able to make the best decisions I recognize that in myself Mm -hmm. how do I look for help how do I who do I talk to do you know what I mean because it makes me feel really vulnerable. If I go to my boss or my human resource department and say, I'm not in a good place.
1: I think those are all really good points because we are highly unlikely to have someone in our organization that makes us feel safe enough to do that. Mm. Doesn't mean they don't exist, but it's highly unlikely. And so like Susanna is saying, well, I don't want to be vulnerable in, in my competition or with my colleagues or whatever. But to Suzanne, to your point, you know, I, I have done many, many, many things for teachers and burnout offered, you know, free professional development, doesn't matter what it is. And, and it, it is surprising to me how few will show up. And <laughs> I think to myself, is it because, because it isn't the money, I often do it for free. Is it because by showing up, you admit that you need help? is that perhaps an offputting or that someone might see you there as someone who does need help or that your sharing which might just pop out of your mouth is going to be inconvenient to deal with the blowback those are all good reasons but i will say when it comes to work as as well as the family an amenity is very helpful to becoming more vulnerable and discussing more honestly yes. what's going on and also probably to receive from someone who's not quite so close to you that you're going to have to continue that conversation or fix if you don't want to.
0: So Johnny, you raised two really useful points. One is that all employers need to create safe spaces for employees to be able to say, I'm not well, I need help, but not just safe, but the perception of safety from the employees. Mm -hmm for your own self-interest as an organization. Because if you don't create that safe space, your employees are gonna burn out, leave, all of that stuff. But the second thing that came up for me was a lot of people have this macho image of themselves. Doesn't always have to be men, of course, can be women too. I'm a superwoman, I'm a superman. I can do all of this, it's not. And that vulnerability, Suzanne, that you spoke of is also accepting for yourself that something isn't right that's not easy either right do you find that in your in your work
4: yeah absolutely you've got you've got to be able to That that is where it comes from isn't it if you can't accept that you have needs and that you are vulnerable then you there's no chances there
0: yeah yeah taking ownership of where you are sitting with as you said John Lee Jenny but, do you have any th- insights sorry John Lee go ahead
4: I was
1: just going to add to this, and then I want to hear what Jenny has to say. I was just going to say, you know, I think this comes up much more for females than than we typically admit. Um, yes, there's the macho expectation that is traditionally aligned with male, but then the trad wife is uh, has become finally, um, I think, a source where we can go, I was raised to be superwoman, which is exactly the macho equivalent yes. to undertake and withstand and do and keep doing all these things invulnerably. And so I'd just like to point out that that everyone's come up with that same kind of conditioned expectation.
0: Yes. And there she goes. And as Suzanne said, I think being a, a homemaker and working, as most women are doing now, and juggling all those balls can just be, um, you know, very draining. And uh, we need to look after ourselves at the same time. Jenny, any insights to share with us?
2: Not particularly. I mean, I, I, all the all the points that I sort of thought of as, have have been covered. Um, I think the way I view burnout, rightly or wrongly. So I think it was Human Manosa, that said unrelenting pressure. Hmm. I think you know you can feel really stressed if you're disorganized and or you 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 um put stuff off you know procrastinate and all the rest of it, and you you've got more than you can cope with, but I think real burnout comes when there is you're never seeing the end of it, you never get that that break, you know you've got a pile of stuff. And you're going through it and through it and you're just about ending and it comes on top. And it's that continuous pressure that you ne- you're, you're never able to see the end of.
0: Yes. I speak to some executives who say they get, you know, 1500 emails a day. And, you know, even if they spend three hours in the evening, they're not going to get through everything. So I was at a teacher's conference, and so I asked the question, I said, how do other people manage this? And this guy stood up and said something beautiful. He said, I just accept that I'm never going to get to the bottom of that pile of work. And I know that if I get through 60%, if the other 40% is important, they'll come back to me. But they rarely ever do. So it probably wasn't that important in the first place. So just to realize that you'll never get to the end of your to-do list, whether it's at home or work or email list or whatever it might be. Uh, Yes. Yeah. (laughs) So to summarize, I'd say burnouts caused by the engine just running at high speed for too long without any rest and under pressure. So the engine is our mind, the pressure comes from stress. And there are many, many things as we've discussed that we can do proactively to prevent that. And once we, to, to spot it early, and once we do put in place so many different things that we've discussed to, to overcome that. Okay. Jandi, do you want to add anything before we uh, close?
1: I I think I'm just recapping really. It, it's Once you become aware of that unrelenting pressure, where is it coming from? Where is that coming from? And what do I know about myself is the natural antidote. Hmm. What do I need more of in this moment? Time, silence, peace, sleep. Yes. Being able to uh, marshal your conscious choices to take care of this wonderful gift that allows us to walk the earth, it's probably a good idea.
0: Yes. So where is this pressure coming from? And the mind assumes it's coming from the outside, but quite often it's coming from the inside without our own awareness. To take ownership of how we're feeling because that's the only way we can be better. And I love Robin's point, which is to see what you can learn about yourself and your triggers and your own mind through this whole process Uh, and if you can do all that you'll come out much richer uh, in spirit and more able to deal with things okay well thank you very much Jondi and our guests from around the world and thank you for all your contributions and as always I will summarize this and share it with everyone thank thank you have a good weekend everybody thank you This podcast came to you from the Human Wisdom Project and the Happier Me app. To find out more, please download the Happier Me app. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye.